car repair, the nightmare of the Western world. You don't know the difference between the catalytic converter and the powertrain, the carburetor and the camshaft. You've been ripped off endlessly by unscrupulous mechanics who've charged hundreds or thousands of dollars. You're sick of feeling like a complete idiot and you just don't want to take it or pay for it anymore. Well, your life's about to change. Meet Pam Oaks, ASE certified and top-notch auto technician host, shop owner, and author of Car Care for the Clueless, or how to make money while maintaining a vehicle. She'll answer your questions and teach you how to talk car talk. Get under the hood right now with Pam. Hey guys, and welcome back to the show. This week we have a special treat. I have Pablo Sarmiento, ASE Master L1 Technician. We've had him on the show before. This is an interesting topic. Pablo and I had a talk a while back regarding the cars from the 50s and 60s and 70s versus what we have today versus cars when they first came out at the turn of the century and how much proved on certain things and on other things, how expensive it got. Maybe it should have gotten a little cheaper, but uh, we have a really good discussion about that. Pablo puts his two cents in. So that's this week's episode. We're going to kind of concentrate on that. I think it's really good, and it's a lot of food for thought for you to contemplate. And, um, you know, there's a good message there. A lot of common sense. I'd like to thank our sponsors, first being AC Delco. AC Delco Parts, I put them in my customers' cars for decades. They're a great quality part and something that your vehicle should have as well. It doesn't matter if it's foreign or domestic, ask for AC Delco Parts. And I especially love their batteries too. Long-lasting batteries, great products. And let's not forget Jasper Engines and Transmissions, 100% associate-owned. If you're in need of an engine or a transmission, there again, another company that I use. Ask for Jasper for an engine or a transmission. Remember, it's cheaper to replace the engine or a transmission than it is the car if you happen to have. Ask for Jasper by name. And last but not least, remember Continental Tires, another fine quality product that I personally use as well. Continental Tires, and I have them on my car and my mom's car. And like I said before, if mom's not happy, nobody's happy, and she loves her Continental Tires. So let's get on with our show, our special edition this week, talking about how the cars have progressed through the years, and so has the maintenance. Let's give Pablo a call. Hey, Pablo, it's Pam. How you doing? Oh, hi, Pam. Uh, doing good, just very busy. And, good. And, you know, as always. You know, we were talking a little while ago about the cars of yesteryear compared to today. So uh, what do you think about the old car versus the new car? How old? <laughs> well, <laughs> let's go all the way back, okay? Okay. Um, Just a little history. Yeah, so, so the first automobiles were powered by steam engines, mm-hmm. and although they had been already invented and used for a long time, uh, in 1889, here in the U.S., okay. Oliver Evans was awarded the first patent on one of these things. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Mm. Now, keep in mind that ju- just like internal combustion engines, mm-hmm. the steam engine was made originally for a stationary application such as pumping water or probably driving some kind of mill or something. Right. Um, more than likely... 
by the time they were put into cars, uh, they used probably some sort of oil or petrol. Actually, uh, uh, crude oil had already been, you know, discovered about 50 or so years earlier. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm sure it was some kind of a, uh, probably kerosene or something, rather than wood or coal uh, to heat the boilers. But either way, uh, it took a while for the water and the boilers to get hot enough to create the 500 or so pounds of pressure that the engines required uh, to work. It's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot of pressure, let me tell you. And, uh, yeah, unbelievable. But uh, now i got to tell you, uh, just a quick note here on those uh, um, cars with the steam engines. Uh-huh. Some of those things, you know, just like the Lincolns and the Cadillacs are, you know, the top end of, of their, you know, brand. Right. Well, you know, just like those, they had certain one of those steam engines where they had a reserve tank. So when the boiler had pressure, these things were able to store uh, a certain amount of pressure on this <laughs> reserve tank. And that is so that when when you were ready to take off and, and you know, you had not put the fire on and, and you barely started the fire and, and so on so that you could take off right away. But, but either way, you know, that they were a pain on the neck anyway. <laughs> but, <laughs> but one thing I can tell you is the driver of one of these things, uh, they had to know more about them than a modern driver do about their cars. Uh, for, oh, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. For, for one thing, uh, they had to get off every once in a while with a can of oil, and they had to squirt oil at certain spots, you know, um, also, uh, and, and, and of course they, they had to know about, you know, all this, um, uh, pressure. They had to read those gauges and they had levers to control these things back and forth, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, I can tell you something. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't have AC or electric <laughs> anything. <laughs> On those, uh, dirt roads. All you got was a lot of dust in your face. <laughs> oh yeah, because you have to remember back then mm-hmm. uh, there was very there was no paved roads. I no. mean, just in some of those uh, main towns, main cities, they had mm-hmm. just on the main streets cobblestone streets and stuff. But outside the cities, there was just uh, you know it, all, it was all dirt roads. Uh, mm-hmm. So you imagine. Uh, a later, a lady getting on one of those things. She didn't have to powder her face. All she had to do was get <laughs> get on one of these things and go for the trip. By the time it was all done, it was like killing two birds with one stone. You know. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh! Yeah, you know, um, people don't realize that, but you know, I remember my great grandparents' house in uh, off of uh, Eight Mile and Gratiot in Detroit there. The uh, alley, back then, even in the 60s, early 70s, the alleys weren't even paved. They were dirt. Yeah, yeah. And that was leftovers from, you know, my gosh, you know, Detroit, they had paved roads. But uh, they didn't do the alleys, and that was the leftovers from way back, way back when. That's right. Wow. That's pretty interesting. Yeah, I don't think that uh, people today would actually uh, go out and squirt oil on the hub bearings or anything like that. <laughs> right, right. You know, they'd rather sit in the AC and turn on their CD player. Getting back to this, so so 
We were talking about the steam engine. So what about the uh, internal combustion engine like we have today? Yeah, well, although many other inventors had already made their own invent- uh, version of it, uh, in 1864, uh, Nicholas August Otto made a successful uh, four-cycle internal combustion engine that went into production, uh, but... In 1885, Carl Benz uh, was credited with making the first internal combustion engine automobile. Um, As in Mercedes-Benz, yes. Right. And, and remember what I said, that most of these engines were initially put to, for a stationary use. So mm-hmm. there's a difference there, you know. The engine came first and then the engine and the car. Right. Um, but a lot, a lot has changed since. Um, but for the purpose of comparisons... Uh, let me go back uh, to just uh, like 1960 and 1970s. I can tell you that they already had AC by then. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and they had power windows oh, and yes. power brakes and power steering, etc. Um, they were specialty items. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and, and the way of service. Okay, now getting serious. And the mm-hmm. way of service, in addition to the normal oil changes, we have to do this tune-up. I'm talking like 60s and 70s, okay? Oh, right, so yes. For a younger generation, this is a long time ago. I, <laughs> I, I was almost there, you know? <laughs> but that's why I'm saying. And, and the way of service, uh, in addition to normal oil changes, we have to do tune-ups like every 12,000 miles right. or, or, or 12 uh, months, uh, if not sooner. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. And, and shock absorbers were also replaced fairly often. Uh, brakes and tires did not last it as much as they do now. Oh, no. And, and carburetors, oh. ah, well, this is something some mm. people don't even know what they are, but uh, for the older generation, yeah, carburetors, they, they need a rebuilding. And at 100,000 miles, the engines were smoking and totally worn out. Mm-hmm. Okay? Oh, yeah. And, and that's, you know, and that's not even that old com- in comparison to the history of the automobile. But uh, anyway, when I was 18... I had a 1965 Oldsmobile Delta 88. Did you really? Yeah, 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 with a huge engine <laughs> in it. Yeah, it was a 425 cubic inches yeah. engine. And this thing was fast. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a luxury car, but it was fast. Mm-hmm. The problem was, if the brakes got hot, that big old car just didn't want to stop. Oh, I yeah. mean, you could stand on that pedal against the steering wheel and just didn't want to stop. The scariest thing you've ever seen. <laughs> nowadays, nowadays, with disc brakes, we don't have that problem. No, it displaces the heat, yeah. Yeah, yeah, a lot better. Even when they put disc brakes just in the front, mm-hmm. it makes that big difference. You big know? difference, because I know I have drums all the way around mine, uh, 6 in Plymouth. Well, you know that. Yeah, I know and that. Yeah, you got to really pay attention because that car in front of you with those discs is going to stop a lot shorter than what you can. So you really have to pay attention. That's right. That's right. I forgot that you had uh, drum the car too with a four-wheel drums. That's right. Yeah, that '63 <laughs> New Yorker I had, and that had drum all the way around. Oh yeah. Right. Right. Because that was you know I like to keep them original, but that's another story. So you know you think um, the cars that they've improved. Well. I got to tell you, we would have to put two or three categories on that. Let's say, for example, in overall performance, mm-hmm. I would have to say a lot. Mm-hmm. Okay? Um, 
and convenience without doubt. Uh, you no longer have to visit the automotive shop as often to main, for maintenance, except for oil changes. And an example that I already touched there before is shock absorbers. Right. And, and platinum plugs, they're mm-hmm. good for 100,000 miles and beyond that. Uh, and other ignition electronics taking place of the old points and condenser are also good for over 100,000. Um, many more services have been extended as well. And uh, now another category here, for example, if we think about byproducts and pollution, right? well, this is another area of vast improvement. Uh, and until late 70s, uh, cars used to be gross polluters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it was hard to breathe the air in large cities. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And now you can almost that. breathe the air coming out of the tailpipe of most of these newer cars. And, and primarily because um, everything that they have put in there to, in order to work together is not just one thing, but uh, starting, for example, with fuels. The fuels are a lot better, and they have better additives so they can burn cleaner. Mm-hmm. There has been better improvements of the engine internally uh, where the combustion and valves and things are like to keep uh, to so that the fuel don't stick to the walls of the cylinder so it don't so it don't liquefy again so it can stay gas so it can burn better mm-hmm. um, there has always been there has been so many improvements on the electronics that control the the whole engine uh, to to get everything together and whatever doesn't burn within the engine, then what we know already called the catalytic converter. Right. And the exhaust. Exactly. It gets it, and, and it converts this thing back into harmless gases. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it's like you said, something we didn't have way back then. That's right. You know, and it's, we say way back then, but, you know, it's like 30 years ago. We didn't have it. Well, we started having it 30 years ago, but, you know, I own cars that didn't have converters in them. And like you. So we've made great strides, like you said. So, you know, now that we have all this electronic components on the car and the converter, and do you think that the cost of maintenance over the life of the vehicle is less or more nowadays? Well, I got to tell you, I myself, I don't think we have improved at all in this area. Um, consider this. Mm-hmm. All the way back, the automobile has been a, ma- a major investment for the average worker. Right. In other words, I think that car owners um, investing, are investing today just as much percentage of their yearly wages as they did back any time in the past. And, and yes, I agree. And, yeah, in, in retrospective, there has been times in history where the car has been more affordable than, than others. However, what is happening now is the result of many things, mm-hmm. and, and I'm going to mention um, some of them, okay? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good it, idea. Um, um, number one, uh, the need uh, to reduce tailpipe emissions brought new technologies, as I said before. Right. And, and that's when many of the electronics started to appear. And into the into the automobile industry. In fact, some of these, a lot of these electronics, they brought them over from the um, 
you know, from the um, uh, from the space uh, programs and so on. Okay, mm-hmm. that, that's when yes, they yeah. first started. You know. Yes. Um, uh, let's see. People don't realize how much the space industry is embedded in our daily lives, especially with the cars. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember back in the mid seventies, the first electronic ignitions. That mysterious little box mounted <laughs> on the fender. Outrageous, we thought, you know. Yeah, and, yeah. And when you, when I think about this thing back now, uh, the fact of the matter is they were very simple devices. Yes, they were. But we just didn't know any better, and we didn't have proper tools to test these things. And whoa, that it was just mysterious because we didn't know what was inside the little box. <laughs> 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 so but anyway, by 1980. Most cars, they had a bigger electronic box, which they called the electronic control unit, mm-hmm. or ECU. And and these things were already capable of controlling the fuel-to-air ratios, uh, spark timing, and emission control devices, and all for the purpose of reducing pollution and increasing the gas mileage and performance, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, number two, um, safety. Uh, you know, point. when it comes to safety, these are quiet but very powerful electronics mounted on your vehicle, such as supplemental uh, uh, restraint, you know, we're talking the airbags, mm-hmm. communication with global positioning, such as the OnStar, uh, proximity detection, you know, all these things, they just go quiet on the background, but uh, they are working constantly as you're driving the car, and uh, oh, yes. and they are very powerful stuff. Uh, number three, um, design and performance. Mm-hmm. Very important. You know, what the consumer don't realize is that the manufacturers, uh, they make these yearly events where they show new concepts and designs, and consumers get all excited about the new looks and the horsepower under the hood without considering how expensive is this design going to be to maintain after it's out of the warning. Exactly. You know? Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. And the fact uh, is that uh, car car makers, uh, they manufacture what people show the most interest for. That's true. You know, it's not the original owner, it's the second, third, and fourth owner that bears the brunt of the expensive repair. Yes. Yeah. What other examples do you have that you can mention? Yeah, yeah, yeah. How about uh, forward cab design? Ooh, Uh, that's good. Yeah, sure. They'll Mm -hmm. give you a bit more space inside, even on, on compact vehicles, but when you look at the engine from under the hood, Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, Let yeah. me tell you, you only see <laughs> half of it, okay? Yeah, you only oh, see I half know. of it. The other half is somewhere under the windshield and under the dash. This makes it so much more difficult for us oh, yes. to, to do normal services uh, uh, such as valve cover gaskets or mm-hmm. or simply looking for an oil leak. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it does. Yeah, and, and you know the thing of it is that in this case, the consumer pays a lot more and we seriously dislike working on some of these things. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because it, it's stupid. Yeah, it, yeah. Basically, it's stupid. Everybody pays for it. The consumer, us, you know, everybody pays for that design, and it's Yeah, it's yeah, bad. and just because uh, 
people show all that enthusiasm at the beginning, so they made the thing, you know? Exactly. Uh, what about, uh, for example, uh, active mirrors, uh, automatic climate control, Please. body control mm -hmm. computers yeah. capable. They have body con uh, control computers now capable of controlling the lighting system and memorizing the seat, steering wheel position, the, the mirror positions, for driver number one, driver number two, driver number three, depending which key you insert in there, everything starts moving to whatever you programmed previously, and so on and so forth, you know? Well, guess what? When all these technology malfunctions, diagnosing these systems can be very tedious. Yes. Yeah, not, not only that they are complex but expensive yeah we we need a special uh, you know we, we got to be very knowledgeable about these things we also got to have the proper technical references and we got to have testing equipment such as lab scopes oh yeah yeah capable of taking you know samples about a million samples per second we mm -hmm. got to have scanners professional scanners capable of doing bidirectional control and communication mm -hmm. uh, people don't know. realize that right they don't so, and how much money it is to maintain these every month. Right. And you're the one to, that can talk about that because you're the boss here, so you, you're the one <laughs> buying all that stuff. I know, I know, I know. Horrible. You guys hear me. I know. So, so, so what I'm saying here is, or I should say, what am I saying here? You know, okay, I'll, you know, I'll tell you. Uh, on the long run, all these fancy designs extra horsepowers and bells and whistles, mm -hmm. they'll cost you a lot more money to maintain. Yes, they will. So, you know, I, I'm i in your corner. You know, I know you and I have talked about this before. And um, I think they are. But do you think that today's vehicles are over-engineered? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. In fact, it makes me, makes me angry sometimes. And I will give you... An example, a minivan. Okay. I mean, we're talking the average family transport, okay? Mm -hmm. Okay, the minivan is the old Woody station wagon, okay? Right. All right, of yeah. today. Uh, and now, a minivan with, with double overhead cam, and mm -hmm. I, I'm talking about a real thing that I worked here not too long ago, okay? Okay. Double overhead cam, 24 valves, variable valve timing. Why? Why all this? I, um, let me tell you, a normal V6 engine would have been more than adequate, even to pull a boat behind it. Sure. Um, and I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you, re related to these things, mm -hmm. this high-performance engine with double overhead cams, when the timing belts break, on most of them, oh. not all of them, but oh, most oh, of yes. them, when the timing belts break, either be because... The, the, the owner forgot to, to change it on time uh -huh. or, or they didn't have the money to do so. When these things break, they create, most of the times, major uh, repair damage because the pistons, they collide with valves where, where the simple V6 mm -hmm. doesn't do that. No, timing it doesn't. belt breaks, no problem. You put another timing belt and you keep going. Exactly. So the, difference, the difference between one repair and the other could be like two from two to three thousand dollars difference. Oh yeah, easily. Can so you imagine a, a, a family, the, the family station wagon I'm talking about, or minivan? You know, um, 
you know, most families, middle-income families, they struggle with money. And suddenly one of these things, they, they, they like the little minivan or whatever, and suddenly one of these things break and they're facing $3,500. You know, not only the timing belt breaking, but, you know, the expense of having to do the maintenance on it. Yes, well, yeah, it costs a lot more. For a yeah. timing belt versus a chain, you know? Yeah, I myself, I believe that improving up to a point is great. But in the case of automotive, I feel they have gone too far, you know? Like putting electronics and systems that were fine the way they were, and for reasons like these, uh, replacement parts are costing so much more, you know, mm -hmm. because all the technology. Well, you know, it goes back to what you said. The people, this, they wanted the, all the extras, this little here and that little there, and... That's right. Cross. That's right. But all I can all, all I can tell our listeners is to remember that the car manufacturers are in the business of selling cars uh, to get, of course, to get the, their huge investments back. Okay, right. uh, naturally. But uh, again, um, you know, they do these surveys, and uh, and 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 it is up to you um, to really get educated on this matter. And let them know what you really want. It's true. It really is true. You know. Yeah, yeah it is. It is the consumer's choice. You know, as to what they sell out there. Mm -hmm. That's just. That's just the bottom line. That's a very good point. And it really is. You know, it's up to the consumer, and consumer demand is going to give you more and more and more luxuries, but at a higher. Repair price tag. Exactly. I, I hope I've been able to shed a little light into this subject and make sure probably make uh, some people think about it the next time they go buy a car, you know? It, yeah, and you sure did. And, you know, it's a good thought. It's okay. all good. Well, yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for more than 35 years, uh, and I'm talking about uh, working on the actual cars, okay? Oh, yes, uh, I know. Full time. And, uh, and, and, and that's just the way I feel, you know. Some people may not share my views, but uh, that's just the way I feel. And I just wanted to share that uh, with everybody today. Pablo, it's a good dose of common sense for all of us. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for taking the time out. I know you're busy. I'm going to let you get back. And I'll talk to you uh, very soon. Okay, Pam. Until next time. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And you know, guys, Pablo's right. It's all about common sense. Wanting these items, these extra cup holders and the automatic climate control, automatic heat, automatic AC, um, mirrors that move when you back up. These are items that will cost money to repair because all mechanical things have mechanical limits. And depending upon what the item is and how often it's used, there's a point in its life it will go past the mechanical limit and break down from use and or abuse. We want to save you money. We want to have you think about the common sense things regarding your automobile. Very important and putting a little thought into it is going to put some money in your pocket. Can't emphasize that enough. So thank you for joining us this week. Again, thank you, Pablo. We appreciate you being on board. As always, very interesting. Very interesting topic and a lot of food for thought for our listeners. 
And, of course, next week we'll be back with our regular show. We'll have Peter Sudak, our Gadget Guru, back. We will have our email question of the week, our cheap card tips. And we have a special treat coming up uh, regarding uh, tires and how to choose tires. And I will have a special guest on board for that. And I just want to remind you that uh, this is our actual first full week of the Car ER Show that all of us are participating in. You can find it online. Right now, go to our website, car-ershow.com. You can see it. It's streaming 24-7. It's going to be on other internet mediums within the next week. I'll keep you attuned to that. As always, thank you for taking the time and listening to us. And you know, the whole premise behind the show is make you a savvy car care consumer. Don't want to forget our sponsors. And please, we don't want you to forget our sponsors because they have great products. I personally have used them for decades. And if I didn't believe on them, I wouldn't have them on the show. Remember AC Delco? Ask for AC Delco parts. They're wonderful parts. I don't care if you don't drive a General Motors car. They make parts for your car and they're high quality and they're reliable and it's just good stuff to put in the car. It's like feeding your car health food. And let's not forget Jasper engines and transmissions for those little mishaps when something mechanical like we talked about, you have wear and tear and it finally lets loose. It's cheaper to replace that engine or transmission instead of purchasing another vehicle. And you know, with their 100,000 mile or three-year warranty and it transfers to the new owner, it's a great investment for your car. And last but not least, let's not forget Continental Tires. Like I said, I drive with them. My mom, wonderful, wonderful products. I really enjoy the ride. So as for Continental when you're ready for sneakers. Thank you and take care and we'll talk to you next week. Thanks for joining us today. Please make sure to come back next week for another edition of Car Care for the Clueless. And don't forget to look for Pam's book, Car Care for the Clueless, or How to Make Money While Maintaining a Vehicle. See you next week.